0: We are the weirdos. Oh I am god. What? I tried to warn her. Hi there, everybody. Welcome back to the infinite third season of the Odsterion podcast. It's your co-host Jordan Cruciola.
1: And your other co-host, Sam Weinman.
0: And we have another, we have another, like, basically special occasion reason to talk to you guys. We have two movies this Friends, year we can't two- stay away from you. Can't We can't stay we, away.
1: We, we're, we're like, yeah, we're going to do it in seasons and give people a break. <laughs>
0: yeah, give ourselves Break's a break.
1: Break's over. Yeah, listen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're, anytime that we're like, we get too heated, we're like, okay, let's just, we got to get on, we got to hit record.
0: Yeah, listen, we've got this forum. It's <laughs> ours. It's ours, which means it's our rules. And we were obviously gifted with Scream earlier this year, and that is very relevant to our interests here. And oh, agreed. There's a, an- yeah, we had to. And now there's this movie, which is, you might think, tangentially related to our interests here, but mm, it's our podcast and it's our rules. So we can say it's completely connected to the mission at hand. And that is to discuss the new movie X. <laughs>
1: boy, boys found this inside. What do you think is on it?
0: I see one goddamn fucked up horror picture.
1: By Ty West.
0: By Ty West, who is our anchor to the 2000s ot's era horror conversation. Because, as we know, as i I would assume you know, Ty West rose uh, to to notoriety in that sort of. In the VHS anthology era of horror, when uh, David Bruckner and Adam Wingard were all coming up, and so was he. Uh, You may remember The Innkeepers. Uh, You may remember, what was it? The Devil. What was the Devil one?
1: Well, House of the Devil 2009. House of
0: the Devil. Yep. That was the
1: one that people were like... Oh, this looks just like an eighties horror film, and yes. that was like really edgy and new then, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. And it kind of laid the groundwork for something like the score in Your Next, and kind totally. of that homage. And of course, Ty West was in Your Next.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I forgot uh, which uh, one is he
0: in Your Next.
1: He's the boyfriend that gets killed the- immediately. <laughs>
0: That's the one. That's the one. Okay, yeah.
1: Yeah, and I will say that the where it really anchors for me is. A different 2009 Ty West film. Mm. I listen. I enjoyed House of the Devil.
0: Mm-hmm. I
1: enjoyed The Innkeepers enough in 2011. Mm-hmm. It's a little slow, but I liked it. That's how um, I feel about both. And I of them, would yeah. say The Sacrament 2013. That was fun. Probably mm-hmm. not going to do it again. The one that I will tell you I've watched again and again is the film that Ty West likes the least. It mm. is Cabin Fever Two. Um,
0: that's right, Cabin Fever I Two. I'd forgotten that was him. Love
1: Cabin Fever Two. Cabin fever two, spring fever. Please! Please help me! I it is um it's low budget trash. Mm-hmm. It is way smarter than it has to be, and it is very emblematic of Ott's era horror. It's like they, you know, we had a lot of straight to DVD trash at that time, just yeah. going right to the red box. And somehow Cabin Fever 2, it just felt like an indie remake of Cabin Fever, but like mm-hmm. set at a prom. Mm-hmm. Like it's Cabin Fever at a prom. And um, <laughs> yeah. but the thing is, Ty West did not like this film and wanted it to hit the direction. I, supposedly, now there's no, there's not a lot out there about it, but um, he had some disagreements with the producers and yeah. wanted to take his name off of it. Oh, and so okay. he wow. feels that the final cut of the film is not, what was released is not his film. But I will say, if you are a fan of Ty West and what he does and you enjoy mm things about his films, then you'll see him in the DNA that is just like baked into Cabin Fever 2. Whether the outcome is his film or not, there is, you can't separate the two. It's Mm -hmm. still him. And I love that.
0: Okay. Well, that's, I mean, that's, that's, that's Oz right there. 09. And now we have, because we're in a, we're in an interesting era as it regards as it relates specifically to that set of filmmakers that we were just talking about. Uh, we have Adam Wingard making, uh, Godzilla versus Kong. We have David Bruckner, uh, having wrapped shooting, I believe on the new Hellraiser and obviously had the Nighthouse right. come out last year. And now Ty West, uh, in the A24 fold, with this movie set in right. 1979 about a group of pornographers, a producer looking to cash in on that burgeoning home video market. He's very smart. And this group of hot pornographers goes to rent uh, the sort of like, second house, the like guest house, basically on this out of the way ranch in Texas. And over the course of 24 hours, their entire lives change, meaning that a lot of them die in horrific ways. And, you know, I've seen tweets that are glibly but I don't disagree I I like the spirit of it people saying like this is the best Texas Chainsaw Massacre since and then saying a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie I think it's fun I think it's a fun cute quip like it very much has that adorable yeah I like that I like that a thing that this I think think Ty would like that I think I think I feel like Ty would love that and I think this movie was shot in New Zealand based on the credits thanking New Zealand for a lot of things but this does feel shout out to New Zealand Shout out to New Zealand <laughs> handling COVID. I mean, why not? Yeah, handling yeah. COVID. Good people. Uh, super
1: hot accent.
0: Super hot. Yeah, like it's tens for New Zealand. Uh, this really feels like Texas horror. If you watch a lot of horror movies and you've taken in a fair amount of Texas horror, it does just have a specific kind of mood about it. And I, this movie really does, I think, ascertain that.
1: You know, something I think that he really succeeds at in doing that are the shots that are direct homages to Texas Chainsaw that Mm. still feel like he does something different with it. Mm -hmm. So it's like you'll be in the house from the inside looking out the door and you're like, oh, I am I am in every Texas Chainsaw movie because it's the same setup. But then something unexpected happens. And I think that's really cool. The other thing that happens is he does a lot of homage to just art and yes. so it's like, you'll be in a wide shot, and you're like, am I in a painting? How is yeah. that happening in this trash film? But it's mm-hmm. not a trash film. It's an art film. But Yeah, like, but it's like the it's whole thing, presenting. there's that line in it.
0: Yeah, there's there's a director within this movie who is working for the producer. He's directing the film. He's a student just out of, I don't know if it's UT or some other Austin, some other Texas school, and he is bound and determined. He says, it's possible to make a good, dirty movie. And that's what Exist is doing. It's an A24 version of
1: a dirty movie.
0: So I think trash... Is a fine label to apply to this kind of movie.
1: So I gotta say, when it comes to the crossover of porn and horror, yes. I'm in. Yes. Yeah. So this is an area that I am uh, particularly interested in, and you know, yes, and you are and about, you are
0: read up on. You are read yes. up on this.
1: You know, not saying anything about the future, but you never know. This might pop up in a documentary somewhere. But for now, who is I will say, you know, some of the earliest examples of queer relationships on film Mm -hmm. happened in in, or in on film and horror Mm -hmm. happened in porn right so where we had a lot of queer coding in other places um pioneers like walt davis Mm -hmm. uh filmmakers who just really wanted to blur the lines between cinema and porn and Mm -hmm. did that uh were able to use genre to just like throw it all in there. And so like you have movies like Widow Blue in 1970 which opens the very first sex scene is a gay sex scene and of course then they're murdered uh brutally. Mm-hmm. And it there's a lot being said about homophobia in it that I think is it's really interesting because that movie combines heterosexual sex as well as queer sex. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Evil Come Evil Go which he did in 1972, that's his more famous one. And get this, that movie is about a a woman who is like a religious fanatic who murders people who are having sex because mm. she doesn't approve of them right. like morally. So there's a lot of crossover, both widow blue and evil come evil go. Like Walt Davis had a lot of like fascination with his villains were always like morally puritanical humans, mm, um, okay. killing people who engaged in free love and sex. And mm. so by so, like, definition, Bruce and, and,
0: would be proud.
1: <laughs> hell yes. <laughs> yeah. So in the beginning, you know, in the early seventies, when this was happening, it was queer people who were doing this kind of shit. And so mm-hmm. of course, and of course, worse when i see a film that's about this era i'm all ears
0: yeah yeah well and i think that that is you know that's where that's where the fun of horror has sort of always lied is like lane lied wherever um it is that as a as a maligned genre as as a cast asunder genre as a low genre it has the permission to do things that higher forms of art don't because well, nobody expects anything more from those sinners and perverts than like you exactly. know queer people fucking on screen, and you know even in the two thousands, a time that was completely destitute as far as like queer representation in any any mainstream media, um, and if there was maybe maybe gay representation, minimally so, but nothing queer. Um, you have the soft core of your David Dakota strain of films that oh, is yeah. the closest we have to queer horror at the time and it is it is you know gauzy lens style s- almost but not quite porn.
1: Supposedly marketed to women. he stood by that for years. We all knew.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: listen, listen.
0: But as Please. you have discussed, the most popular the most popular search term in on porn sites for straight women.
1: They, straight women are watching gay porn. Yeah. That's it. Ch- guys, <laughs> you don't believe me? Check with Pornhub. They released right. the statistics. It's incredible. More, More women watch gay porn between two men than gay men. It's amazing. So, uh, and, and, and also shouldn't be surprising. And if we have more conversations like this, everybody Mm -hmm. would be talking, we could, we could kind of like talk about it more, but actually that kind of gets at the root of, uh, this film and, and what it's talking about in terms of repression before we completely pivot though. I want to mention there's a, there's a connection with the David Dakota films of the aughts and even films like The Hole, which was mm. directed by West, uh, Wash West or Wash Westmoreland, who has done a bunch of indie stuff. But he did this one porno, which was a ripoff of The Ring, but like mm. seven days and you're gay instead of, <laughs> you know, dead. Um, and so, isn't,
0: there like, isn't there like an R cut and a porn cut of The Hole?
1: Yes, there was yes. an R cut that was released to video stores like Blockbuster where you could watch it. And by the way, guys, watch the R cut by the end. They're like, they knew those those guys weren't watching it. It's just like full <laughs> penetration. The beginning's like, here are some guys like face up. Then later you get some chest. Then, oh, is that a butt? By the end, I'm telling you full penetration in this R-rated <laughs> I'm just like, wow, they knew. They knew these like, these like straight guys like giving the ratings were just like not going to make it that far in.
0: Right, yeah. They were like, <laughs> we're giving it 15 minutes. We're giving it 15 minutes and that's it.
1: I would love to interview that editor. <laughs> I want to know because that... That is advocacy. That is <laughs> that activism. Is, that
0: is advocacy.
1: Give me the penetration cut. So yes, <laughs> two versions. Um, but when you what what all of this has in common with the old stuff, you know, it's the idea that like something like in a in a Evil Come Evil Go or Widow Blue, they can have queer sex in the same movie as a film with straight sex. Yeah. With and presumably heterosexuals can show up without feeling disgusted or uh, you know. Uh, and can still enjoy something that everybody can enjoy something in a film where now it's like we can have a movie like this and there's no queer sex but there's Mm -hmm. lots of straight sex because that is what we can put on film Mm -hmm. in 2022 Mm -hmm. so just putting a pin in that but I want to establish that the roots of this Mm Sean like the roots of this are are really equal opportunity I've seen a lot of tweets about how this movie is equal opportunity and I think in the way that the camera sexualizes people Mm -hmm. sure Mm -hmm. but the true equal opportunity happened kind of in in decades past.
0: Yeah, no. And that, I, I think that, you know, I, I find myself talking a lot about, it just sort of comes up a lot talking about the idea of like, obviously I talk about the idea of representation a lot and where people see themselves on screen. I've got the whole fucking podcast dedicated to it. And so often when the nineties comes up, it's interesting to talk about it as a sort of like, almost in some ways, as far as what was permissible in film, like, getting back to the good old days. Like there was so much more clearance and adventurousness in queer cinema in the 1990s. There was so much more of a robust black film economy in the 1990s Mm. there. And there was so much more of an indie film economy in the 1990s. And even if like you watch those movies, yes, they are dated from that time in some way. Like they're, they're not getting everything right. I'm not saying that, but it almost feels like because independent cinema was thriving so much and, like, Sundance culture had really taken hold, it was almost like these forms of art surged, particularly in, like, Black art and queer art, in a way that they did it before they could be, they were doing it before they could be regulated again. Like, it was like they got in under the wire before in the 2000s, people were like, no, we need to stamp on, stamp down on that because that got too out of hand. That went too far. It's too crazy. And so things got more sanitized again in the 2000s. As, again, the indie market started to subside. But it was almost like a Wild West time of, of, creative, of creative volatility that could happen because people didn't know to stop it yet. But then as soon as they figured out they needed to stop it, then they did. And now if we could get back to a time of creative adventurousness like we saw in the 90s, it would feel actually like progress in certain ways compared to what we have known as a standard... For the past decade, that we're only starting to like crawl out of now,
1: as you have pointed to multiple times, the erotic thriller, is the erotic long thriller, to a resurgence, and actually, I, I do feel like with films like X um, being successful, I consider this successful. It's crazy it successful. that we're having this conversation, but about it being a disappointment. But uh, with the success of films like X, it makes me think: Oh, is there a world now where the erotic thriller might come back? Right. And other horror adjacent genres, where mm-hmm. where we mm-hmm. can uh, enjoy this kind of material, the you know the uh, the polished sleaze of it all.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm very I'm bullish about that prospect. I think it's a long road to hoe, but I do think um, based on movies like this, movies like Voyeurs, um, it's not it's not burning up the world or the internet. But movies like Deep Water, you know, Adrian Lyne back out here making a first movie since Unfaithful, starring big stars like Anna Diarmas and Ben Affleck. You have, there was a a tweet going around, it would have been recently, uh, compared to this, I mean, uh, by the standards of when this episode came out, of Margot Robbie saying that she had recently told a director that she wants to star in a straight-up 90s rom-com. And I think that people who were raised, you know, people who are our age, who are becoming the sort of, like, predominant working class of filmmaker, churning out the most work, we want to make the movies we were raised on, and we were raised on rom-coms and erotic thrillers in the 1990s. And I feel like people who are at a level of maturation in their career and certain thresholds of prestige being able to demand, like, I want to make a good, dirty movie. I want to make a 90s rom-com. Wait, I want to make an erotic thriller. And it's people putting, people like Margot Robbie, perhaps, putting their imprimatur on something like that that allows an A-list rom-com to come out that isn't, you know, necessarily... A gigantic crazy rich agent story but it's just like her version of fucking truth about cats and dogs and then Ty West having developed such a strong reputation in his career and such a strong filmography behind him and A24 existing now to sort of fill this niche in between the straight-up art house and the big blockbuster Disney machine you have this marriage of sensibility and industry clout And ability to get work made that I believe it is more possible than it has been in some time to bring back these horror-adjacent genres.
1: So I think all of this lays the groundwork to just say, hey, listen, I personally love exploitation films and I love horror porn. I want you guys to know that before I tell you about this tweet that Jordan uh, called me out on. (laughs) Not called me out (laughs) on, but I said... I'm tired of having to say. I didn't call you out. Use... I
0: just texted you because you hadn't texted me yet, telling me your thoughts about X, and I and, was like, "Oh, you said, that means we I get see to talk you've about your it. review." Yes,
1: and I love that. No, yes. no, I love that because it's like, "Oh, you knew." I said, uh, "I'm tired of having to say other than the use of homophobic tropes, it mm-hmm. was a good movie." Mm-hmm. I didn't attach it to the film because I don't want to. I don't want to rain on anybody's parade because well, I say, think... in a tweet that's and clip. also. I That's li- not like yeah, a whole it's,
0: conversation. That's it's just a, it's a quick some characters.
1: Off the co- yes, you know, I have I have notoriously gotten into deep threads about uh about Netflix shows that uh that use uh, queer tro- uh, homophobic tropes, mm-hmm. um and 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 have been in many an internet battle, which I am not going to do anymore mm-hmm. uh, if I can help it. Right. Um, but I just it, I'm tired of being like because the way I feel about this movie, I really really liked it. It was mm-hmm. a good movie. I mm-hmm. love the cast, the performances. Britney fucking Snow. Talk about an oh. Osterion connection.
0: My God. You truly talk about an Osterion connection.
1: <laughs> but the thing that I had a hard time with mm-hmm. uh, was was being able to separate the use of homophobic tropes um, from the film itself. And I and I just to enjoy it. And I will say, I had a different viewing experience than you.
0: We had totally different, like environmental viewing experiences
1: so while I'm reading online about like this quote disappointment in the box office I can I can only speak to my theater which literally every seat was sold out mm-hmm. um it was a packed house and so what was hard was some of the things that I think I might have been like okay whatever it's exploitation like mm-hmm. um the the use of older bodies like there's mm-hmm. a there's a scene where you know two older people have sex and yes they're the villains but it's it's um it's a really heartbreakingly written scene and i mm-hmm. really felt for them but it's also presented in a very grotesque way so the whole audience is like groaning and like uh and mm-hmm. they're they're not getting what i'm getting which is like the heartbreak thing so it's like at the end of the day when presented in a certain way this film very much can feel ageist mm-hmm. um on that same token it's kind of like the not it's kind of like the league character is a queer villain, right? Or not a mm-hmm. queer villain. I love queer villains, actually. I so I want to take that back. It it the the league character leans into Queer Tropes, the league killer. She uh repeatedly touches uh Mia Goth's character in the film um and eventually assaults her in bed while she's sleeping. And it's even presented in this way where like Miyagoth's character is like enjoying the touch at first, and then it's like revealed to be this woman, this predatory lesbian, which goes back to, in my opinion, just like the the old kind of like tropes that that we see even in like warning films like red light Mm -hmm. um, from the 1960s um just warning straight people about the dangers of older queer people so seeing Mm -hmm. something like that presented in a way where i'm hearing an audience in real time react with disgust to the um the predatory nature of these queer villains because i will also add there's the her husband who mm-hmm. in the basement? There's a reveal that he kept a, a guy down there whose pants are down and his penis is out, and mm-hmm. it's like heavily implied that there's something sexual there as well. So it's just like these repressed people mm-hmm. have are committing murders. Mm-hmm. I get it, but it makes me think about something like Widow Blue. How I can condone that, but then mm-hmm. be here in this audience and be like, God, I feel uncomfortable.
0: Mm-hmm. And I and. You know, And while you're, you're watching this in a packed house and you're having all of this ambient response around you yes. that is teeing off to you, that is queuing up to you how this work is being received by a, by a room full of people. Right. And I watched it for the first time in a critic screening. Notoriously not reactive rooms, critics screenings. <laughs> like the 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 Avengers End Game screening I went to on the Disney lot was remarkable for how participatory that screening was. I have never been in a room of critics and industry people where literally a man stood up. When Captain America takes hold of Mjolnir and swings it around, he stood up in the theater on the fucking Disney lot. It, it, these were press screenings and swirled his sweatshirt above his head and turned to the crowd and demanded we whoop and cheer. And we were going fucking nuts. I've never experienced anything like that. Normally, critics screenings are like what I experienced with X, which is a bunch of people sitting silently and respectfully and not tipping off any one way that they that they might feel th- about what they're seeing and then even when I I re it last night because I wanted to be I wanted to be fully prepared to talk about it today and it was another it was like a 5 p.m. on a Monday screening like this isn't gonna be a full house but it was probably like 10 people and again quiet quiet room and so it was and I was really dialed because and because we had had this conversation I was like okay I am gonna. I am gonna tune in to these crowd responses. Like, what is this? What is this crowd gonna tell me about this movie? And I was like, Wow, okay. So it's, a, it's a quite group. Like they didn't. It didn't. It, it, gonna like, tell was, you nothing. They yeah. They told me nothing. And I was like, Wow. Didn't you okay. didn't get excited
1: for Brittany Snow and that alligator moment.
0: There, there was one guy who was having a really good time, and I really liked him. And he, I was very glad, was not um, was not uh, making light of untoward moments. I was like, okay, good. Like, I was really, when when the sex okay. happens between the two elderly, I was like, what's this guy going to do? And there was not a sound. I was like, wow, okay. I was waiting for All a right, groan in the room. Yeah, I was like, okay, cool. So, in a, you know, g- g- what were you going to say?
1: Oh, I was just going to say, you know, I saw a tweet recently. I may, I think I may have sent it to you by Jeff Allen. And he said, you know, if you go into an AMC screening and the audience <laughs> yeah. is quiet during the Nicole Kidman ad, then like, I'm sorry, you're in a house full of straight people. That's what happened yeah. to me because I went, woo and cheered when Nicole Kidman popped up. <laughs> and then my boyfriend who was next to me was like, hey. Like, <laughs> I just could see him like shrinking in his chair. Yeah. Oh, he must was, have like,
0: turned to stone.
1: Would have been completely different if everybody was like all with it. I think, but see what I hate moment... about that.
0: What I hate about that with that crowd specifically is that they clearly were vocal because they were vocal during the movie. So you you go just gonna go in there and and be a hyped crowd and not give it up for AMC Nicole, Nicole Kidman. Kidman. A forever AMC's Guys, Nicole
1: Kidman. Heartbreak feels better in a place like this
0: somehow, or feels somehow, good somehow. Heartbreak yeah. feels good in a place like this.
1: I it, it's crazy to me. So yes, you, you, I gotta say that is the audience I know I was getting into, and I want to clarify that I, that that's that's what I was that's the environment I was seeing it in.
0: Well, and I think that is I think that's such an important point here with something like this because when I like I'm watching it the first time, I'm not hearing a thing. It's basically me in my living room alone watching this on a on a bigger screen, and so because I'm getting and in part because I think I'm getting no cues for sort of how the world is going to process this, like the things that immediately red flags that were immediately going up for you that were crossing this line into I'm not necessarily feeling safe as a queer viewer watching what's being handled in front of me like right. you you mentioned to me uh, at one point the blowhard producer guy is completely jacked about how one of the sex scenes just went and he's telling the director like whatever you're doing keep doing it because this stuff is gonna blow people's minds and he is just so hyped he grabs the guy's hand he puts on his dick and he's like feel how hard I am right now and where like the room you're in and how
1: they all laughed
0: they all laugh and what i'm and right. when i'm watch the the what i read from that i didn't actually home nothing gay in my mind clicked off i was just like, Guys are so obsessed with their dicks that they have absolutely no boundaries about them. Like, I laugh because this guy is a fucking idiot who would send a woman dick pics without her permission. Like, I was laughing at the idea of men's obsession with their penises, which is so prevailingly strong that they seem to be convinced everyone's interested in what's going on with theirs. But, but But we live in a world that doesn't exist in a vacuum away from a century of misdoings with queer folks in cinema. So you can't just detach it from that. So you having
1: a reaction like yours, and I mean, in I that it. moment. Yeah. In that moment, the, the character who his hand has been grabbed, right? Yes. He does have a reaction that is like, that the audience is playing off of. It hangs mm-hmm. on it. It's like, oh, uh-huh. this is awkward. And it's like, I, I want to say that to me, that showed that the movie, the only queer moments, like the movie relies on gay sex for humor and gay sex for horror. That's it. But there aren't actually any queer characters who... Uh, in the film, and there are no positive queer moments presented in a film about porn, where that's like really easy. That that was my feeling. And you bring up the history of this film and, and this kind of representation. I just want to say, because I know you're out there. Listen, you, the person, <laughs> you. the the person that's like Sam Wyman, you have gone too far. Yeah. That you. This is where I draw the line. I love sex. I love porn. This is all this. Listen, I and, and I'm over here being a puritan. I get it. But listen to me here. I understand that the defense for this movie is that it's a movie about repression and that repression has turned these killers into killers, right? But when you think about it, repression turned Angela from Sleepaway Camp into a killer, mm-hmm. it turned Bobby from Dress to Kill into a killer. It, it, it we we've seen repression turns the queer killer into a killer. It's not a new it's not a new thing. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the end of the film, like the post credits which everybody's like stay for this. Yeah. It's revealed that you know, she used to be young and hot, and and mm-hmm. not uh, and just kill people anyways. She's just always yeah. been evil, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like it's not even the repression. I'm just saying, like, guy, okay, uh, this is this is something that has been a, historically been a problem. Yes, in horror, yes. and and this movie pedals heavily in that water.
0: Mm-hmm. And where and where I think it fell on the right side of the razor's edge for me. Um, particularly with, and I think this, this, I really want to unpack this moment with you, and that's the moment in the Please. bed, the scene in the bed with Pearl, the old woman, who is spoilers, guys. She is played in uh, Prosthesis by Mia Goth, and when okay, we okay, really, I thought so. Yeah, that and is I, Mia Goth. Okay. And we see uh, at one moment, uh, young Mia Maxine. She's she's invited into the main home by Old Pearl, and Pearl is showing her old photos of herself, showing Maxine, and it's clearly Mia Goth is in those images. She is the young young Pearl is is this is is her, and so. She is immediately particularly drawn to Maxine because this is a woman who Pearl is an old woman who she is unwanted. She is not desired. Her husband is, because of his health, physically, we learn physically incapable of having sex for fear that he he will die of a heart attack in the act of it. And he like she she beckons to him and she's like, please, please want me, desire me. And he's like, you know, I can't my heart. And so like sex is sort of out of their cards for them at this point. And then we bring her, you know, she's so drawn to Mia. She surreptitiously watches her filming a porn scene. She watches her having sex. She tries to, she touches her body when Mia's in the house without Mia's permission. And then it escalates into, while Mia is asleep, young Mia Maxine, Pearl goes into the room, takes off her nightdress, and climbs into bed with Mia. And the reason, again, with no context happening around me, where people are making it a moment in a way that is making, that would make me uncomfortable, I'm like, the queer desirousness of that did not come through for me in that moment to feel irked by her as a as a queer villain in a not fun sense, but in a gross sense, because I, I was seeing it only as an act of covetousness of her younger self. Because she's literally the same girl. She's literally Mia Goth. And the young her is exactly the mirror image that she sees in front of her. And so she represents exactly what is lost, exactly what she yearns for. And there isn't it's and i was watching it the second time i was watching specifically what she does to her in that bed scene and she's caressing her skin and she's smelling her hair you don't see her try to to kiss me on the mouth or penetrate her it's this wanting to touch her skin as if it was her own skin her, her young skin and i was like okay for me this is in this psychosexual realm where it, there is queerness here, obviously it's queer because it's two women. But it was such a intense desire to obtain what she once was in its exact form in front of her, the same girl, the same physical figure, that it didn't for me sound off in queer violation. And yet, doppelganger horror is totally queer. So, like, I don't like.
1: Well, may I? What do you I, think? What do you think? I of see that, that and I respect say? that because I I feel that that's true. I think that to me this is a two things are true situation because I was watching that and and I wanted to give it the benefit of that doubt because I think Mm -hmm. I did see what Ty West was doing with in terms of that even if even if Mia Goth hadn't been playing the old woman Mm it hadn't been playing Pearl I still think it would have been true that that the covetous part of things her being a talking about her youth and the way that she looked at her pictures that was really clear Mm -hmm. like that that he was he was playing on that I think that it their film does have a tradition of blurring the lines between narcissism and queer sex, or yes. or even self love and totally. and queerness, and kind of equating the two in all in the big bad category. Mm-hmm. I think this film particularly there's a moment in the beginning that changed the way that I saw all of their interactions, which is mm-hmm. where when she touches uh when she touches Mia Goth's character's arm early in the film when she's leaving she goes, it'll be our secret, and Mia yeah. Goth's character is like, what will, mm-hmm. because to her. It had been completely innocent. But to this woman touching her was betraying her husband. Mm-hmm. And that was adultery. And so see, the way I, I read it. I don't necessarily
0: think that because he, he the, the husband's job, because he cannot satisfy his wife sexually, is to procure for her. Which is why I actually didn't see the, the naked dick-out guy in the basement as anything having to do with the husband. Because the husband's sexually impotent or incapable. He just, he acquires for Pearl.
1: They're all for her. Well so what why would then if it wasn't adulterous why would she say it's our secret
0: Because she wasn't I think because Mia wasn't supposed to be in the house nobody was supposed to be in the house Pearl's not supposed to like go rogue I like cuz she's he's like my wife's got now where's my wife like he's sincerely looking for his wife and she's gone out on a mission and started like killing people I I think that in that it was just sort of like nobody's supposed to be in here he can't find you in here Because this isn't like this isn't how things go or like we're not there yet. Things haven't escalated. I saw that as just like nobody's supposed to be in here. He can't see you. So she runs out until he starts obviously taking people prisoner like
1: Jenna. And when you see the man strung up in the basement and his pants are down and his penis is out, you what how do you not because I want to know legitimately like just like so, like what is a non-sexual reading of that moment?
0: Oh, I didn't think it was non-sexual. I just didn't associate it with Howard at all. Howard the husband. Um, I don't... Because, again, we we understand... Up until they uh, have sex, the, the old couple... Up until they have sex in this movie they haven't had it for presumably a very long period of time because he tells her repeatedly, my heart, what if my heart can't take it? What if my heart can't take it? And she has to tell him, it can. And then they have sex. And then when they're coming back to the house together and sort of like their renewed connection with one another, she's like, we don't need need them anymore because we have each other again. They have reconnected in a way that is intimate that they presumably have not in some time. And when he's leading her back to the house and he tells her like, I put the other one in the basement for you. And she's like, I don't want the other one. I'm not interested in her i want the other one i want maxine she's special she's special and so he tells her like i put jenna in the basement for you which is presumably to me where he puts people for pearl and then she goes and he he obviously has to like restrain them because she's an old woman and they i would imagine could be overpowered he restrains them and she has her way with them i think that man with his pants down was absolutely sexually assaulted and i think it was by pearl
1: so in the scene where he's with Jackson the older man's with Jackson in the swamp and he talks yeah. about his encounter with mm-hmm. the last guy mm-hmm. to me it was it felt very clear that he had captured that last guy and punished him and so if the punishment is a heterosexual punishment handing it to pearl i i, mm-hmm. I, I see i can see that perspective i just mm-hmm. to me it seemed sure. like the like the message was their repression caused deviant sexual behavior which was predatory mm-hmm. queerness but when they kind of accepted it in each other and that mm-hmm. they were who they were, they were able to have heterosexual sex, and that did work. That's
0: I, I saw his deviant sexual behavior as for sure deviant sexual behavior of being basically the Ghislaine Maxwell of being the procurer. And when he and, and when he is confronting Jackson by the swamp, which like oh, that tender moment where Jackson like. If you if she's out there, we'll find her. Like I was so moved. Um, t- tangent. But when he says like you know you you know basically you young pretty things like you come here and like taunting my wife, and it was he framed the other y- the other younger man, presumably the one he had imprisoned in the basement, who was already dead as something as an object of desire for his wife out here taunting my wife he framed it in terms of his wife's wants and what his wife's needs were and he's resentful because he can't meet those needs which he's clearly very upset about and so that for me and again I'm operating in a context where I don't have totally. any ambient sound around me tipping me off to like wait a minute is this a fucking shady situation? So that, I, I'm i sure that influences where my thinking was, but because I oh. was not al- on alert from early on, that put me in a position to allow for more clearances where, whereas, because of what we know about the mistreatment of queer folks in, in horror cinema and the use of, like, queer villains and tropes around that, if you get a, if you, a bell goes off for you early on in the movie like it did, there's no reason... There's no reason for you to be generous enough to then wash that from your mind and be like, "I'm sure that's not going to happen again. I'm sure that's well, not say, a problem here." Like the well gets a little poison and that fucking happens, man.
1: An easy way to to allow people that generosity, have have a little bit of positive queerness in your film. I'm sure. not saying change the film, but I'm just saying if every example of queerness is mm-hmm. like even even in totally. even in even it, it's it's so heterosexual, like the lens is so straight. That yeah, even this, the is, scene a, this where the is a very hetero
0: This is not queer horror, ladies and gentlemen. This is,
1: this is a heterosexual film. Yeah, it, yeah. And you know how I want to say that. And I, <laughs> yeah. I it, when it comes to like, there's a moment where the old man comes to the door and Jackson answers it naked. And even w- seeing his penis, which, yes, this is a porn film. Or it's about porn. It's about... They reference his penis and the size of it multiple times. But the way it's presented in the film is that frat boy humor of the... Yeah. When, like, just like the other scene where it's like the guy puts his... He grabs the guy's hand and puts his hand in it. In this scene, it's like it's revealed in a comically large way. It's mm-hmm. like dicks are for humor. Male bodies are in in are for laughs. And queer sex is harmful. That's the way I read it just because there was no positive reading. There was no, like... They're, they're just out of... There's so much opportunity, and it could have been such an easy right. I just – it it comes close. I will give it that. When Brittany – when Brittany Snow says – she, like, rattles off a list of – like, she rattles off some progressive values and says, Mm -hmm. like, straight, queer, black, white, and that kind of, like, thing – now to me it's very like uh, it, it reminiscent of the odds when people are like I don't care if you marry a farm animal like that sure, kind of thing It's totally, like yeah, okay wait so you. now you're you're putting us all in the same category but uh, you know this felt very like it was trying to do that I mm-hmm. just think that by not actually having positive explicit queerness playing with those tropes or even if they weren't intentional flying mm-hmm. so close to the sun when sure. it comes to those tropes. Um, by being so strictly heterosexual they actually did the film a disservice when I would be here for the equal opportunity shit. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. kill him. George, kill him yeah. and be a creepy queer person, but give me one person who's not.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's all. And here's I think this is and I think this is a uh, a matter that you and I kind of fundamentally go off on a fork on, which is that I am I was actually fine to see no queer character in this. Because I do not sit here feeling certain that that would have been handled well, ah, and like and like as you say, that. it's always <laughs> it's always we it's, one one should always ask for better and one should always ask for more. I completely agree with you on that. And I and I like I watch a lot of action cinema, and there's a lot of like DTV level action cinema stuff and big big budget level action cinema stuff that just just so such a bad job with women. To the point where I'm like we don't you guys we don't mm-mm. you didn't need to put us here that's fine we don't we <laughs> don't worry about it please don't give me a token woman because I, I I simply don't need to be pandered to and watch you fuck this up and so it's like please Fair. just give me a bunch of dicks just give me a bunch of dudes killing each other fighting each other I don't need that one woman who isn't talking to be here it's and who's gonna die so like and I'm watching this and like no, seeing how straight it is like this movie is very heterosexual and i was like you know what we didn't need to muck around with a, a shitty queer character that would make me feel like o'fonly oh, um i'm glad you left us out of this i'm glad you left us out of your straight nonsense on this one that's I, that we, I, I
1: i don't yeah. think we differ from that as far as you think i okay, okay. i do i do feel that way i don't think we need to be in everything and in fact there are a lot of things i don't want to be in like you know what yeah. I don't want to be in. I don't want to see a queer person in a left behind film.
0: No, I don't. Don't put me in anything with
1: Kirk Cameron. No thanks. You know what I mean? Like it was I, like when I was watching
0: the new I, Texas just, Chainsaw. When I was like, why are that? Why are there people of color in this movie? Leave them out of this white nonsense. This I, is white nonsense. You. What the fuck are these two black characters doing here? Let them go home. Why are you leave. doing this to them?
1: I I just think that. You know, it's like if I was watching Moonfall and the moon was gay, okay? Like, yeah. I don't know, like the big villainous scary thing. Uh, I would just say I hope that they would offset it. That's all. I hear you. And, yeah. and so I, hear you. I I would rather just be completely absent than it's like mm-hmm. if you're going to play with the tropes, I just want to see people do it responsibly.
0: Huh. And I can't say that I would have – I can't say that I would have been upset about uh, – scene involving Mia Goth and Brittany Snow. And, I can't say I would have been upset by that at all.
1: And I can't say I would have been upset if The Moon and Moonfall was gay. I love that. <laughs> yeah. That was a fun movie.
0: If 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 the if The Moon and Moonfall was gay, a gay mega more gay mega structures in Listen movies.
1: guys, th- it's not a lot to ask. Make the, <laughs> yeah. make if if you got a big storm, make it gay.
0: Make it if gay. If you got a giant
1: monster, you know storming stomping stomping through a city, make it like uh, Godzilla versus Kong. Those guys were boyfriends. We saw it. We all saw that.
0: Yeah, they were a top having a bad day that's that Godzilla. was
1: that was a top having a bad day absolutely <laughs> that's like oh my god you're the other person here at this party
0: oh my god my
1: ex is here oh and don't even tell people your verse uh, not here because <laughs> we've here. been through that no, i know i this is i'm just saying like you know i look if no, this that is, is completely legitimate. Hopefully the world that we're, I mean, it feels like the spaces that we're moving into are mm-hmm. are going to be be spaces that are more queer friendly. And I think that in a world where more of that existed, if this was more like the world of Widow Blue and Walt Davis yeah. and all that stuff in the 70s, then I was yeah. like, all right, we have this and we have that. Totally. Um, but right now we only have this for mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. But and I know I... there are a lot of artists out there changing that.
0: Right. You're you among them. And I, I I do wanna I do wanna give the movie a dap for the um the what felt like uh the participatory collaborative aspect of the women involved. This this felt like yeah. where uh this felt like and I said this recently, a movie where the exploitation was on screen, not off screen. Mm. And that's what I want out of exploitation cinema. I want the I want the grindhouse and I want the pulp and I want it in front of the camera and then I want to know that when the camera stopped rolling everyone felt joyful about their work that they felt like they were participants in its creation in its conception and I I hope that that is I, I suspect that that is the case for this film and I love that I'm really glad that Ty West because I feel like Mia Goth deserves everything. And I feel like Brittany Snow is not the actress you necessarily think of for this movie. And so I do love that he was like, you know who I want for these two exact roles? Brittany Snow and Mia Goth.
1: Brittany Snow, my favorite part of the movie. I she fucking is love her. Fucking I-
0: I, watching it for the second time, Sam, when she enters the screen for the first time, just like walking from oh my God. from the background to the foreground, me? I was like, is there going to be a better entrance into a movie in 2022? When-
1: when she's leaning up against that car outside of the gas station in Bobby that wide Lynn. shot, frame it. Put it on my wall. When she I, snaps
0: her fingers and says, I'm calling my agent. I was like, I am on my knees right now.
1: And she let him know about those cigarettes. And you know what? She should. <laughs> yeah. She Brittany Snow's character, I think, I, I you know, and just joking around with my boyfriend at the time, but I'm like, if a queer person made this movie, she would have been the lead. This is the final girl. Like, this is the person we would have followed. But I loved her. I think that this is the kind of role Love. I wish she had all through the aughts. Like, I know the, right. Finally, finally, somebody's writing material for her that she yeah. has the chops for. I yep. fucking love seeing her succeed. And I will say, one area that I'm very wrong about, like this, this kind of doesn't hold up to all the things I just said. Because <laughs> um, you know, the boyfriend, uh, so uh Jenna Ortega's character Lorraine, she has a boyfriend. Is it RJ?
0: RJ, yeah, RJ. Okay. I forgot so R- she even had a name because I just call her Church Mouse
1: church mouse so church mouse's <laughs> yeah. boyfriend church mouse wants to do after a whole day of watching things she decides that you know and she asks the specifics about the rules of heteronormativity so mm-hmm. if there's a camera there so it's not cheating if the, if there's a camera right mm-hmm. and i think that is so interesting because that explores some of the rules and uh and kind of like you know heteronormativity has a lot of crazy rules <laughs> and so she's trying to like sort through them and yeah. so when she figures out the loophole she's like i want to be I want to be on camera. She and her very cleverly
0: creates that loophole. <laughs> yes,
1: and her boyfriend RJ has a fucking meltdown. Yeah. Um, and now, while well, I think the movie has a little more sympathy than I did for him, because like we follow him into the <laughs> shower where he's crying, and I'm like, you yeah, know what? I don't need to see RJ cry. Cinematic. Actually, him out of here. I
0: loved the RJ crying because I wanted him to cry.
1: Yeah. He's like, yeah,
0: show me him crying. Show me that fucking bitch crying. Yeah. But
1: I I do think in in general like something that the film did really well is show kind of like that free love attitude really well. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and that's the closest I've gotten to seeing polyamory on film. So Mm. in, in a more mainstream horror film. So I just Mm -hmm. want to throw that out there because Mm -hmm. that's obviously a huge part of a lot of queer people's lives and a lot of, and some straight people as well. So, you know, seeing it explored in this um, is is cool. Now I get it for straight people. That's like really titillating and unusual. And for us, (laughs) it's like a Wednesday, do you know what I, I mean? Love- but like, do you
0: work with him on his movies sometimes? Is that your boyfriend? Sometimes. Sometimes.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love her.
0: I love her. Bobby Lynn's a star.
1: Ah, uh, I want. I want. Give her a spinoff. Yeah, I want like to see her. Re-
0: if there's a projected Pearl prequel, give me the Bobby Lynn prequel where she's working yeah. in the burlesque club.
1: Please. Oh my God. Just have have her remake burlesque. Yeah. <laughs> But like with with, with Britney Snow, can you imagine? Oh my god! Yeah. I mean, obviously keep Cher, but but put put Britney Snow in there.
0: <laughs> yeah, you have to keep Cher. You I want to hear Britney
1: Snow talk about air rights.
0: Each each generation can have its Christina Aguilera in succession, but Cher is eternal, so Cher has yeah, to stay. Yeah, Cher,
1: just just keep bringing her back.
0: There's one Cher. There might only be one Cam Gigandet too. You could probably bring him back as well.
1: May I? Read Chris Landon's tweet because I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, and yeah it, because and is it, this about it, the
0: box office? Yes. Yes. Yes.
1: So uh Chris Landon, as you all know, uh directed Freaky and Happy Death Day. He tweeted he's at Creature Show with two E's, if you're looking yes. for him. He tweeted, Let's talk about the disappointing box office, and he put disappointing in quotes of X movie. By design, it's an art house horror homage to TCM and was never gonna appeal to a broad audience. And mm-hmm. if we burden smaller films with the expectations of more standard multiplex fare, then these movies won't get released, much less made. Thoughtful, measured, tiered releases with longevity and checked expectations are what these films need. God knows how unstable the theatrical market is if you're not Marvel or DC. It's insane.
0: And this movie made, this movie as a hard R, uh, blood and boobs, uh, TCM inspired Texas kind of horror movie, made $4 million on its opening weekend. If this movie had made $10 million, I would have been like, it's boffo. Holy shit, are you kidding me? Four feels like a dead center kind of performance for a movie like this. And releasing it in 2,800 screens in its opening weekend feels like a miscalculation.
1: I think it's kind of weird to put it on that level. I mean, it's like, if we're going to be comparing things like, okay, so you guys all saw Scream, hopefully. Yeah. If you didn't, I mean, I'm not going to spoil it, but there is a big line about the Babadook in it, and it happens yes. a couple times. So, a movie like The Babadook, guess what that made in the US? $10 million.
0: And guess what? Th- guess what else about probably the Babadook? Will make... No one in Australia fucking
1: cared. So, throw it, but yet <laughs> the cultural <laughs> impact of this art house movie, because that is the way that these things roll out, it's slowly yep. over time, and it's a conversation thing. That mm-hmm. is a success to the point of being in this year's biggest horror film. It's, it's a it's a reference that we're all supposed to know and understand. And mm-hmm. so, putting it in that perspective, X having a $4 million opening weekend is a big fucking deal. And I don't understand looking at it as a disappointment. Like, in an age where we don't have to print movies on film anymore, and it's just a digital file that you fucking right. throw on an AMC screen. AMC, who's already just running anything they can after a Nicole Kidman ad. Like, come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're not absolutely. It's no loss. I don't know. It's just <laughs> weird to still be speaking about it speaking about cinema in those terms. Um but I I I agree with Chris that that we are setting smaller movies up to fail. Mm-hmm. Uh by by putting by burning them in with the same expectations as something like Scream 5.
0: And I and, you know we've we've touched on crowd stuff in this and I I wanted to ask a, you know director Sam.
1: Yeah. Oh what, hey, hang like, on. Oh hey hey what's up yeah
0: yeah oh Here. there he is there he is hey. the old Sam can't, can't come to the phone right now yeah because he's, he's tied dead up. yeah um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes Taylor
0: um <laughs> you know watching you know thinking of thinking of your experience watching this and hearing how people react what that's the thing that's the thing you can't account for like you're gonna make your thing and it's gonna go out there and that's the thing you can't account for. And me and you have these conversations all the time and we try to reach people like, you know, we talk to great folks on Twitter who are really responsive to our show and listen to us a bunch. And like we feel like, you know, I feel like we know in a, at least in a sense, like, OK, I feel like we're getting somewhere with these people like we feel connected to them. Like, you know, there could be a lot of those folks, a lot of the like, well, it's gay or it's lesbian in that crowd who aren't who don't know necessarily in the context of everything what there's like. What is that like? What do you... Like, tell me your thoughts as a director, knowing that that's, like, a part of the process. That, like, it gets there and it's like, well, it's their movie now and they're gonna fucking make it what it is, I guess. Like, that's insane. I mean... You put it out and then other people decide... What, how it exists in the world?
1: I had two experiences this week that relate to that. One is on the tweet, the very tweet that I talked about in the beginning of this. Somebody was trying mm-hmm. to talk about the history, you know, of of queer killers, and 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 a person brought up Leatherface, which is a even amongst queer people a controversial choice, right? Because if you watch yeah. something like um, uh, Disclosure, they do get into why, uh, and mm-hmm. there are a, there are a million conversations we could talk about uh, with why and and where I land on that. I do think I, I see the queerness there. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I can see how that could affect people in a negative way. But somebody else mm-hmm. said, if you just talk to the director, then you would, and you read his interviews, then you would see that his intention was not that Leatherface was queer at all. So mm-hmm. you're wrong. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, okay. So this is where we get into it. Right. Yeah. When we're in, in, Eng- so I come from an English background. Uh, mm-hmm. I got it. I got a degree in English, which I didn't find out until the day I graduated was a joke. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. I, I thought it was a very esteemed thing. But anyways, right, you yeah. spend the a entire man of the time. Letters. You read, you read literature and watch movies, and you make assessments based on what you see and interpret, not what the author intended, because yeah. it doesn't matter once the art leaves the artist's hands. It doesn't matter. Yeah. All that matters is how people receive it, because that's the mm-hmm. thing that exists. Now, does it make for an interesting bonus feature? Sure. Right, yeah, get yeah the book? For those people yeah. who like to go
0: get the, for those people who like to go buy the steelbook special edition, great stuff.
1: But at the end of the day, I, the artist's intention can help me understand just that, which is the artist's intention. It doesn't, mm-hmm. it can't explain an audience reaction. It, yeah. the, the art, you know, you can watch Silence of the Lambs and see them explain that. Um, that Buffalo Bill is not a trans person totally. a million times. Does that mean that this wasn't harmful to trans people? No yep. fucking way. It doesn't mean no that. Fucking and, if way. You think, and if that's how you feel, you're an idiot and yeah. I'm sorry, but like mm-hmm. it, it just got to wake the fuck up because at, when you're looking at, when it comes to images that harm people, mm-hmm. it doesn't have anything to do with the conversations behind the scenes. Nope. Um, so look, I get that sometimes people do their best. I think that if in general we were a, and, and still fuck up. I think in general, if we were more of a forgiving, we had more of a forgiving mm-hmm. culture where we were allowed mm-hmm. to make mistakes and be like, you know what? Yeah, that didn't come out as good as it could have.
0: Right, right. Then
1: then that would be better. I think that as an artist, as a director, to go back to your original question, I do feel like I do run it by I what I, what I personally try and do. I don't live in the fear of that. I just right, try right. and tell a story that I feel... Um, it, I am authorized to tell, that I'm telling Mm -hmm. my story. And as long as Mm -hmm. I'm telling my story, I can't really fuck that up. Like I remember when The Quiet Room came out, for example, um, people were like, I I did get some reactions like, oh, well, that's not how a psych ward looks, or this isn't what would have been okay at a psych ward, not the one I went Mm -hmm. to. Well, listen, was it the one I went to? Yeah. So at the end of the day, I can only be an authority over my own experience. Mm -hmm, Um, And mm -hmm. hopefully what people, now, does that mean it didn't fuck? like that 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 didn't feel inauthentic to somebody who was watching it or had a different experience no right. um and and you really can't account for every single person that's watching so i understand how ty west probably not thinking about sam Weinman when he makes that movie <laughs> sure know what i mean <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but i think that by having these conversations we can help start at least checking in with others when i write a totally. character who is black That's not my experience. And so I'm Mm -hmm. going to run that by a black friend Mm -hmm. because that's my responsibility as a creator. Um, Mm -hmm. I just think that as creators, we have responsibilities to check in with the groups that we write about or people. And not that one person can be representative of an entire group, but Mm -hmm. at least do your due diligence to find out if the thing that you're making um, might trigger those sorts of responses. I do Mm -hmm. think that is on all of us.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting to think of like, you know, I because I feel very optimistic about the direction that a sort of exploitation, you know, the horror adjacent genres that thrived in the '90s, um, and, and the horror adjacent drama genres that thrived in the '90s. I feel optimistic about like the, the their growth and the way that we're seeing innovation and in a an incorporation of those kinds of tropes and constructs in in genre Definitely. at present. But at the same time, like it's crazy thing. Like I think about it so much and then like, but I don't know who I'm in a fucking crowd with. And like, right. you know, I don't, I can't know that if I'm, I'm cheering for a final girl at a moment of her like ascendance, if that guy next to me isn't cheering for her, because like, like say we're both watching revenge me and this guy next to me and I'm cheering because she's about to kill this guy and he's cheering because she's in a and underwear.
1: Like, <laughs> right.
0: Like, and it, yeah. Fair. And, you know, like fuck it just god I just I I don't often think about the audience experience in this kind of way but since we had this conversation um probably like you know over a week ago at this point I've been thinking a lot about how like how how does progress move in a room of just a cross section of the general population
1: well let me share this one experience that I've had in the past I made a movie where the only people who had seen it and given feedback on a cut of it were straight.
0: Mm, mm, mm.
1: And I asked them to allow me to share a cut of that with queer people because I just needed to make sure that the Mm -hmm. thing that I was doing read well to other queer people. Yeah. Because that's an important step. So I will say... While I don't think that. To clarify, like, I don't think every artist is responsible for every single person and their thoughts, and I get that. Totally. I don't want. I don't want to, to beat it into the ground to the point where mm-hmm. we don't have art. Right, but right. I, I do think we need to get used to pushing studios to get diverse perspectives on work, mm-hmm. because I think the easiest instinct to do is be like, "Well, three producers watched it and they all yeah. signed off on it, <laughs> yeah. so it must be all right. That's yeah. all." <laughs> Because, it, yeah. because I will say, you know, the easiest voice to get is a cis, white, straight, male voice on your work yeah. when you're working at that level. hmm Because mm-hmm. there's no shortage of them. Let me tell yeah, you. Yeah,
0: no, they're falling off trees. Yeah. <laughs> they are falling off trees, out of trees. They're coming out of the ground.
1: Yeah. So, you know, it, you, it, you have to go out of your way a little bit, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: mm-hmm. I, I do think it's a step in filmmaking we should be talking about. And it's not something I learned in film school. <laughs>
0: Right, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm really, I'm, I'm, I really have been excited to talk to you about this movie and I really appreciate you having this conversation with me.
1: Well, thanks for the thoughtful questions as well and hearing me out, even if, you know, there are parts that we diverge on. And by the way, friends, yeah. I, I had a, I think this movie is really, from a, a directing perspective, I'm mm-hmm. like, holy shit, I hope I make something as well made as this movie someday. I felt that looking. watching it. I think yeah. it is, it is so well, it's so thought out. In terms of choice of shot, it's so well-directed in terms of performance and scares. Mm-hmm. I just, <clears throat> listen, it, it doesn't get better than that when it comes to indie horror. So mm-hmm. that thing that he does, he does well, and I don't want to take away from that at all. And seeing something that I don't necessarily like or agree with doesn't ruin the whole film for everybody, but mm-hmm. it might ruin my experience as an audience member. Mm -hmm, That's mm -hmm. all I can still appreciate The stuff that works And is good I just might not Pick it up again Mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm. And to the guy Out there Who is Messaging people Asking about Jenna Ortega Has a sex scene In this movie
1: Dude Chill out
0: You're fucking Out of pocket You need to stop You need to cut that shit out It's really weird
1: It's really weird Wow That's really weird That's been popping up All over my timeline
0: You've seen it a bunch
1: Girl I tagged you in one of them
0: yeah, oh, I saw one of them. I didn't know you had seen more.
1: Yeah, this is a <sighs> thing. This is definitely a thing. Because that yeah. person had responded that some of their friends had been messaged.
0: Because I I, I, I bet you it's one guy. It's... it's, it's it, oh, there's yeah, a, for There's sure. a guy, and it's a guy. There's a guy with a no-photo Avi who is messaging people who have talked about X and been like, can you tell me if Jenna Ortega has a sex scene in this movie? And, like, Jenna Ortega's young. I think she's 19. Like, so, first question, again, no I AVI. worry for her.
1: By the way, the yeah. ending, I, I'm really worried for her.
0: I'm really yeah. worried for her. And, you know, it's it's red flags with the no photo and stuff like that. I was like, but, totally. okay, if this person doesn't want to watch a teen having sex on screen, they deserve to know that Jenna Ortega does not have sex in this movie.
1: Jordan, and um, I love that about you. You replied uh, sincerely.
0: I did. I did. I replied sincerely. I was like, she does not. And, um, they were like, oh, thank God, that's a relief. And then they asked to follow up. And I was like, nope, you're all clear. And then it was like, what about the other actresses? Then I was like, I don't know. I don't know that I answered that one. Or I was just like, man, you're gonna have to see the movie. And then the last one was like, can you describe what does happen with Jenna Ortega there? It does look like there is a sex scene from the trailer. And the other critics I've asked said there isn't there isn't one. But could you please describe it for me? It's like, oh, okay, here we are. You you want me to tell you every single detail of what I see about Jenna Ortega in this movie. Mm.
1: And you know what? This is a great way to end the episode, because at the end of the day, I'm sitting here doing like fucking jumping through hoops, seeing what I'm seeing. And this person's just waiting for Jenna Ortega to take her top off. Do you know what I mean? This, like That is what this person's fucking doing. They don't see a doing. queer villain. They just see a, an they actress that didn't see, get naked.
0: They just want to <laughs> see a teenager without their clothes on. They just want to see a teenage girl get naked.
1: Wow. I mean, yeah. how humbling yeah. <laughs> to have that realization.
0: <laughs> anyway, um, you know, don't, don't, whoever you are out there, uh, delete your account and cut that shit out. Yeah. So, yeah, this is Otz Tyrion bringing you another very 2020 episode of the Otz Pod. Sam, thank you so much for convening on this occasion. I also just miss making episodes with you, so it's nice to have an excuse to yeah. do
1: it. I'm looking forward to making another season with you. This thing's pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, this thing's
0: pretty fun. <laughs> All right. Uh, I guess you can find me on Twitter at JorCrew, J-O-R-C-R-U. And Sam, is there any place people you would like people to find you? Or are you uh, in a dormant state?
1: Listen, I'm barely online right now. But I mean, yeah. if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Sam Weinman. I think I tweet like once a week right now. But yeah, sure.
0: Yeah. You're in, a, uh, you're in a dormant phase.
1: I'm, I'm kind of uh Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll emerge. I will emerge soon. Give me like a month.
0: Yes. Yes. The, the chrysalis <laughs> will open and a butterfly will emerge.
1: Uh, friend I love you
0: (laughs) love you too thanks everybody
1: goodbye